here in the ball game, it's a match made in heaven, but maybe not for craft beer. Barrel and Flow kicks off in Pittsburgh with some depressingly predictable fallout. Speaking of barrels, what type of barrel imparts what onto a beer? This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. If IPA is indeed the pumpkin spice for beardy white dudes, then this podcast is like pumpkin spice, pumpkin spice flavored dog treats, and that's derivative to the point of being parody. And you might wonder who actually needs something like this in their life before you realize the answer is the depressingly high number of people. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Way to go, dark. <laughs> that's where. That's the only place I know how to go now. I mean, I could try to go light, but it. It would sound disingenuous. It'd be like, how then it'd be a Schwartz beer. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be like this. It'd be like, welcome to it's all beer. Everything is great. No, it's not. Just, just let's just get on with it. Everything is depressingly horrible. And uh, just drink until you can't feel feelings anymore. And speaking of which, you brought us some beer um, with a vendetta, or at least to rub it in my face. Uh it's to rub it in your face. Okay. Uh, so we're drink. Dick. Got a, brought a couple <laughs> boneyard beers. For those of you who don't know, why there's a little rubbing in face right now uh we had a deadpool going and boneyard being acquired uh i actually had being bought by another brewery i had them being bought by another brewery uh so i won the deadpool by calling the brewery that got purchased that's just and well just as well i got to uh, something to rub in your face a little bit um so uh, last week we talked about um we did a story about australia and i brought up the australian uh, craft beer, independent craft beer logo, which I said I liked better than ours. Um, Tyler stands by the American one. Um, I put something out on uh, social media saying, hey, who, you know, what's your opinions? And Woodland Empire actually got back to us. Okay, Woodland also, like, I almost brought that up in our conversation, refuses to use the actual one, so they used their own. They've always been against the grain and stand out of the crowd. Um, and you're Right, I mean, it makes sense that they'd be the ones to, to come to, to point something out, but yeah, they have some good points, um, and they agreed with me. Oh, of course they fucking did. Um, they said, I mean, it was terrible for a couple of reasons. Number one, the you know the upside down bottle has bad connotations. It looks like an upside down ketchup bottle. They didn't say that; I did. Um, and conventional wisdom suggests that it's a bad idea to uh, uh, to break up a logo, and independent is broken up three times, so it's just kind of poor designing well multiple so, people can have a wrong opinion so a lot of people believe it. the earth is flat <laughs> so no offense woodland but it's okay to be wrong yeah but they make a good enough beer they can't be wrong so i'm gonna i'm gonna take them as that's that's two against one so eat a dick oh eat a buffet of dicks Call Sam Calioni from Dogfish Head <laughs> and ask him how he feels about the logo. <laughs> I'm sure, I mean, Sam Calioni can be wrong too. Anyway, let's before, let's be, before this actually gets into a drunken fist fight, uh, Tyler, why don't you start us off today? Or do we want to talk about what we're drinking first? Uh, we should probably talk about what we're drinking. So we got that incredible pulp, a blood orange extra pale ale. Holy shit, I didn't even realize it was a fucking extra pale ale. Extra pale ale. Or, for those of you who were turned 21 after Extra Pale Ales, a Session IPA or a Locale Hazy IPA. Except it's 6%, so it's not even... Holy <laughs> fuck! So, I saw that, I'm going, what? it's nowhere near a pale, it's a fucking IPA. Just say it's it's a it's a, uh, a blood orange IPA. 
got a slight haze it looks like to it from might be the lighting but um could be the could be the lighting it does have a little bit of haze but it has a beautiful color mm -hmm. it's very nice it's a it's a it's a it's a really balanced i was just gonna say for an extra pale ale i thought it was super balanced not overly bitter uh you still get a little bit of that bitter punch but to me, it tastes like a really nice, balanced West Coast IPA. Um, and the and the blood orange is prominent. I get like I get that almost that 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 tart bitter um, orange rind that I kind of associate with blood orange, especially yeah. in beer. I can I get that a little bit before it fades into kind of that little bitter finish. So I thought I think the fruit is uh, is well well used. Uh, it helps accentuate the hops. Doesn't overpower. It's not too sweet. Um. Just came into town, so it's yep. it's. I, you know, I always like when T Tyler likes. Let me go check the date on this motherfucker. No, I, <laughs> I honestly was wanting to see what they put for the little tagline on the oh. bottom. Uh, they put Ducati Pulp. Ah, <laughs> so uh, can eight thirty one. Uh, they started distributing because now they are owned by Deschutes Brewing. And so we got them in town. So all the people that uh, that were clamoring for Boneyard are are you know appeased in, appeased for about a day and and then they'll be like oh something new we need to wait for <laughs> they'll they will then go oh well, yeah i've had boneyard what else do you got i really wish you could get this brewery in here you fickle mother the funny thing was is that um is that uh um, i understand from the gentleman that works uh that worked last night i would i didn't work the tap room last night someone else did uh but he said that actually the reviews are mixed um, they, 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 they said, oh, they're good IPAs, but, you know, nothing big. And I'm like, you fickle motherfuckers. Oh. You bring it in a can from Bend, and you're like, this is the best IPA ever. I happen to... It's because what they had to go through to get it. We had to... because everyone around them was telling them this is the best at right. the same time. It's the same reason that I stood by the fact, and I called it in a blind taste test, Lupulin River from Knee Deep Brewing back in the day when we both worked together was better than Pliny the Elder, and we had a fresher Pliny the Elder than we did a Lupulin River, and two of us picked it, I, myself being one of them, that I thought it was a better beer, but Pliny the Elder was just harder to get. I think I think I slightly preferred Pliny, but they were both... I don't, it's the same fucking beer. I was going to say, but they are... I, I, th I think, uh, if I remember correctly, I liked the brightness on... Pliny, but it's been so long ago. And then, you know, it's I, I. But your point is well taken. It's like, yeah, it's. it's it was the perfect example was revision when they were, serv started servicing the Boise market and they were only sending, this many cases a week. And it was just a small little amount, just enough to give like every bottle shop like a case or two. It was selling like wildfire, and then as soon as they're like, yeah, nope, this market's primed and ready. Here's a pallet. Everyone's like, mm, don't know if I want that. Actually, Revision has, I will say that Revision hasn't exhibited quite the, um, quite the, like, the the sudden drop-off in sales that I've seen others. It, it has remained steady. Now, nowhere near what it was when it began, when, yeah. you, when people were like, oh my god, you know, jump. Fucking, it used to be, the day it hit, it, you couldn't find right. it after an hour. It was a fucking tickle me on of craft beer. Um. But, uh, it was Bourbon County ten years ago, right? Um, but uh, actually, sales have remained very steady on 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 all of Revision. So, but your point is still well taken. Anyway, uh, let's talk about baseball. I'm gonna take a nap. 
<laughs> well, I mean, this is the time of year that we have most of all I major baseball sports. baseball was done. Baseball finishes in October. Why is there no baseball? Uh, end of October, like November through like February. Those are the those those are the good days. I like those days. Um, I actually don't. I didn't pay this no is also the time of the year that you got football going, uh, soccer, volleyball. It's the sporting time of the year. Indeed. Um, found an article by Anna Saris from uh, the Athletic that talks about that's titled. As craft beer booms around the country, why isn't it thriving in the ballpark? Uh, in the article, they are mainly focused on baseball stadiums, specifically in the Bay Area, but they do make reference to the Yankees as well as the Chicago White Sox. Um, and it talks uh, about the Oakland Coliseum, the home of the A's, uh, where they have the Shib Tavern right behind home plate, it houses a full bar and uh, a craft beer bar in the craft beer bar in the back. Struggled right there. Uh, and then they used to have in the outfield a place called the Treehouse that was full of local craft cans. That's gone now. Uh, the, later in the article, they actually talk uh, with the managers at the park, and they say. Well, that's just gone because of crowds during the pandemic. That'll come back. Okay. Um, but it really kind of gets into craft beer is such a staple, especially in a lot of communities. And a lot of these major teams have some really good craft beer near them. Uh, but you're not seeing a lot of craft options in sporting events. You're usually seeing your big three domestics, Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light. Fill in the blanks, especially if Budweiser is a sponsor. Then you'll see Elysian, Goose Island, uh, Ten Barrel with that. Um, and they actually talked... Or, I mean, I'd also like to add, or if Miller is uh, uh, sponsoring them, you'll see Hop Valley. Yep. Um, but um, they brought up a couple options. They talked with people on both sides, kind of trying to figure out... Why don't we see more craft beer in ballparks? Um, at Oracle Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants, they sold more than 3,000 gallons of beer on a above-average Friday in 2019. So that's a huge amount. So you're not going to get that local taproom-only brewery. So it's got to be a fairly decent-sized brewery to be able to meet demand there. I mean, that 3,000 gallons of beer is including domestics. I mean, absolutely. And I, you're correct. You probably, your, your little tap room, A, doesn't, couldn't or doesn't want to supply that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, there's all, I think you'd have to also add that um, perhaps the, you know, you, the, the tastes of people at that point in time, they just want something light. and Yes and no. Uh, so it actually ties right in. Uh, they use Russian River for an example at Oracle Park. Uh, they sell Pliny the Elder bottles. Um, and but they were never able to get it from Russian River because they were concerned and Russian River was concerned about production. Uh, so once they were able to open the Windsor facility, they said, let's go for it um, and light it up. And they actually talk about a couple times that guy's been wheeling more bottles over to the concession stand that's holding it. And 
All of a sudden, people are going, hey, where are you going? Where can I buy this? And he has a line like a trail of ducklings following him <laughs> over. So a lot of people are wanting this. They're not going to guzzle it like they are right. your major domestics. Uh, but uh, the big holdup to it is a lot of teams they interviewed, like the Cubs and that, expressed they don't have a lot of room to add craft beer locations. So in their little concession stands, they've got a little kegerator that can hold a couple kegs, and they're going to hold their bread and butter. They're going to hold your domestics instead of a six-barrel of this IPA, a six-barrel of this amber. I mean, yeah, fair enough, especially when you're dealing with very limited... I mean, it kind of goes around if you're dealing with limited shelf space, however you define the shelf... Mm-hmm. You know, your biggest players are going to be... Yeah, and they talk. They're like, Coors Light and Budweiser are sold at the same stand Pliny the Elder sells at. And those two just dominate Pliny the Elder. Even though Pliny the Elder sells amazing for them, they clip through it real quick. But just the amount. Uh, and as I'm sitting there... Well, a question, though. I mean, well, qu- sorry, quick, quick question. I mean, but Pliny the Elder sells out. Yes. I mean, they, they wheel a certain amount in. Mm-hmm. And then they're gone, and then they're still pouring bud, yeah. bud and cores. So I think it's not a great test because ideally, what you would have is is all three lined up, and which one do you sell the most of? Now I'm and absolutely sure you would sell more, more Budweiser cores yellow beer because well, number one, um, they're what four percent and some change. Pliny mm-hmm. is six, seven, eight and a half, eight, eight. and a half. Okay, um, you might want to you might want to compare it alcohol by weight. Yep. Um, also, they talk about the Chicago White Sox compared to the Cubs. The White Sox fans buy more beer and spend more for it than the Cubs do um, because the White Sox have put a lot of effort into offering a great selection of craft beer. Uh, as They actually partnered up with multiple local breweries to stock craft beer can caves around the park. Um, also, it might be a... I, I'm, I'm speculating... Um, but is it would it also be kind of a Yankees Mets dynamic where you've got a different shall we say class of people? But the thing is, White Sox fans are were are typically seen as they're on the south side, they're poor, oh really, rough tumble. Where the Cubs are the upper class elitist. That is Chicago's team. If you're a true Chicagoan, you're a Cubs fan. Oh, so I got that back asswards. Yeah. Okay. So it's really kind of cool to see that. Okay. So what if a team like the Cubs or the Yankees, because the Yankees were one of the lowest in like craft beer sales. They don't. I don't even think they have craft beer in their stadium. Uh, and what that kind of social stigma would do if they actually spent the time to invest in it. I. How, what do you mean by social stigma? I mean, do you think would like the class of the team? Right. So where like. The White Sox are the podunk you'd expect yellow yeah. beer to sell better right. than craft beer, but the craft beer takes but off. That's your, but I mean, that's that's kind of my like that's kind of my thinking is you know stereotypically speaking, you got the more money being thrown around at the Yankees stadium, you think they would supply and demand would kick in at some point in time, and they would demand a better product, but mm-hmm. we, but I could very much be wrong. Um. But it's hard to kind of quantify a lot of this because 
there's been some huge attendance drops because, because of the pandemic. Because you know why. Yeah. We spent enough episodes. Uh, and if you don't know why, how was that cave? Can we come live fuck, there? Right? Um, but another big thing is the pressure from Anheuser-Busch. There it is. That's what I was waiting for. I'm going, yep. and I mean, oh, I, was, I really was waiting for like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You got limited shelf space. Yes, this makes sense. You have to cater to what, what sells best. But there's a little bit of, there's a finger on that scale, isn't there? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, they, they sink the most money into sports advertising. If you even go get a craft beer, a lot of times it's going to be in a Budweiser or Coors Light glass. Uh, there's signs everywhere on the outfield wall, on the commercials. You're getting all this. And a lot of times they've spent all this sponsorship money and they're giving all these things through a back alley deal. Where it's not necessarily say, hey, you need this many ABI products compared to this many craft, or we're going to pull our money. But it's known that if you don't do that, you're going to lose the money. So, quick question then, could it possibly be that the reason that the... You said there there is no craft beer at the Yankees. They might have one of those deals because we all know that the Yankees run on money. Oh, the Yankees refuse to comment on this article. I know nothing about baseball, yeah. but even I know that mm, it's the best team money can buy. Yeah. Uh, so, and I can't remember from the article if it said they had none or just like the smallest selection out of Major League Baseball. Which really, the smallest selection of Major League Baseball. Well, the fuck it. The... the I don't know, I'm a, I'm guessing it's a major team. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, my knowledge of baseball is that low. Stop shouting at your radio. Um, <laughs> so it's a negotiation between every stadium and ABI or whatever sponsor brewery they have, where they're trying to figure out that get as much money as they can, but still also get extra sales by having some of those craft options, uh, which AB InBev is wanting, hey, no, no, you don't need those craft beers. We've got our own craft beers. We've got the what, 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 the high the the high elevation or something. The what's their what's their craft brand? They have like a oh, name for their craft. Fuck. It's like the high life or the it's not high life. And it's not high. It's something about being high. The high end. The high end. Yes, we've yes. got we've got the high end. We've got all these breweries we yep. bought back in 2015. Um, but. If ABI, the article actually quotes it goes, if ABI sponsors the team and the venue, they basically own it, said a pers- an anonymous person from Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. Uh, this is very much pay to play, which if you're not familiar with an alcohol beverage, uh, pay to play is illegal because they're trying to keep what's referred to as tied houses, like what happens in Europe, where... Or what happened in this country? I mean, this was... This Where the brewery owns the bar, and you can only buy the brewery's beer at this bar, and that bar can't sell anything else. I mean, this is... Uh, that that legislation is very much Gilded Age um, stuff that happened. Pre-Prohibition Gilded Age stuff. When, yeah, when you'd have these, you know, these uh, beer barons controlling every step of the process, and... And everybody was happy with it. Nobody got screwed over. Everybody made a lot of money, and no, and there's no problems at all. Yep. Um, <laughs> they interviewed a couple craft brewers. One said, "You know, we've got a couple placements in. Uh, we haven't had to pay anything, but it's one or two skews. It's 
just enough so ABC doesn't come snooping around and go, <laughs> you only have this distributor's beer. Right. What's going on? Uh, others say they'll want the brewery to pay about $50,000 to sponsor a booth. They'll buy about fifty dollars to $100,000 worth of beer. Over the course of the season, it's basically trading beer for season tickets. Uh, and you ne- he's like, I never heard of a brewery making out super well on the deal. Even if you do, they'll want you to pay more the next year. Right. So, I mean, there's... so, so there, It's the constant... There, it's basically a Benny Hill sketch where you got yeah. two people running in circles screwing each other. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a marketing thing, but most breweries can't afford just to drop 50 grand to market where AB InBev forgets where a $50,000, like I forget a single. <laughs> like, um, with this here, um, it really kind of dives into this. Uh, one thing that I actually found really interesting is they point out the Brewers Association came out because President Joe Biden said there needs to we need to really crack down on like companies behaving anti-competitively uh, and so the Federal Trade Commission put out something and the Brewers Association sent a letter and I'll make sure to send this over to Jeremy so he can post this up uh, and it's about an eight-page letter to them where Jesus, they explain who they are. They say, hey, you know, for the past six years, the TTB has used an additional five mil per year appropriated by conduct, Congress for trade practice enforcement to increase its effort in this area. Here's some unlawful trade practices we noticed. <laughs> Here are the crimes being committed. Just send someone down to find them. Uh, the abuse of category management practice with a category captain, usually someone from a major brewery, uh, who draws up all the sets for the grocery stores. Yep. And if he has to fill a hole, he's going to fill it with one of his brands. Yep. I can also attest that that, that um, um, they will put something in there that doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. That just to have the just have the name there. Yep. Uh, because it's a spot that other They've people don't have. Been there, been there, done that. Uh, Force them to rotate. The retailer that, uh... demands that a supplier spend money on coupon programs, which coupon programs for like a rebate aren't illegal with beer, but how the retailers are trying to do it is, and AB, Ambev, and the bigger breweries are like, yeah, we'll fucking do it. Yeah. What's the matter to us? Uh, so-called sponsorship arrangements in which large suppliers and wholesalers play, pay substantial sums to venue operators ostensibly to purchase advertising with it in such venues. In practice, these payments almost invariably secure exclusive or near-exclusive pouring rights at the venue. Yep. Uh, they then talk about different times the TTB's already cracked down on big breweries for these exact things. And what the fines were with AB InBev, Heineken, Crown Imports, Miller Coors, uh, and large beer wholesalers. Um, and then the final piece of the article is, or the letter is, here's what we think should be done as punishments. Uh, which, this was probably my favorite. <laughs> Let me see if I can find the punishments here real quick. Uh, with here, 
they actually, uh, the one I really want to talk about is the punishments for the sports entertainment and large venues. I can't find it exactly in the letter anymore. Uh, but it was something like what they will do, what they, the Brewers Association said, hey, this is what you should do, was basically go in and say, you know what? If you get caught trying to basically buy a stadium, uh, you should have to turn around and relinquish all the revenue from sales in that said stadium. Ooh. And I was like... That's a good one. <laughs> that is a great one because it would slow AB InBev down where they would stop and think, is this worth it? Um, well, I mean, when you, I mean, you essentially eliminate the advantage and possibly create a disadvantage... And so, I mean, the first person that actually gets that fine, I think that's that that's near enough for them to go. You know what? Not not fucking worth it. Yeah, um, not even worth it just to have brand recognition at the stadium. And the another thing I really wanted to talk about is it really even rings home close to Boise State. Uh, so this is the first year uh, Boise State sold alcohol inside the stadium. Yeah, which really pisses me off because back in the day when uh, I used to. Be one of those uh, kids that ran up and down the stairs with drinks and shit. Made good money. Could have made tons of money with beer. So, um, if you stop and look, it there are like six or seven beers that are in the stadium right now. Okay. Um, That's not enough for the amount of people there. Bud Light. Okay. Coors Light. Coors Light. Miller Light. <laughs> Setting a pattern. Michelob Ultra. Okay. Pub beer. Pub beer? Oh, 10 Barrel. 10 Barrel Pub Beer and Sockeye Brewing Lonesome Larry Lager. Okay. So you got you got your token. Uh, uh... You got your one craft beer. But uh, after talking to some of the distributors, when they were in talking to the people that run the stadium concession, they're like, we really want just to have a great selection of local options uh, and really try to rival what like the Oregon Ducks do with like in Kasi. Yeah, yeah. And, have a really good selection of local beer. And they're like, awesome. And they're like, a good selection of variety, too. And they pick six yellow fucking beers. My hunch is the former owner of Stein Distributing, Keith Stein, <laughs> sponsored... This is gonna be the, and we're going to get sued by Keith Stein. <laughs> he's dead. So, oh, okay, cool. Well, then uh, maybe his son. I don't know. Craig Stein's a little prat. Uh, I, I think he might be dead. I don't know. Well, uh, we're gonna find out. We'll, we'll find out on the affidavit. Well, none of this is <laughs> wrong. Uh, he sponsored the <laughs> the Boise State Marching Band twenty some years ago or something like mm. that. Um, and the marching band is literally called Keith Stein Blue Thunder Marching Band. I didn't know the Keith Stein was part of it. I knew it was Blue Thunder. Yes, but... it is the Keith Stein Blue Thunder Marching Band. Cute. He spent two hundred thousand dollars back then. I'm sure he cuts a check every year to make sure they are fully funded. Uh, I had a buddy who was in the marching band that used to have to go play at Stein. Play at, what, at the distributor? Like, as part of a thing. Okay. Occasionally I... do an event, and the Blue Thunder marching band would come up. So, if you look, <laughs> uh, Stein like, has... I just, just 
Listen, they're loud. That would be very that'd be unpleasant in a warehouse. Uh, it it was like a they'd have a bunch of people there and okay, it was like a party they were throwing in. Oh, you just have to like show up. Dick measuring. Oh yeah, you guys. Oh, I you... have the marching band playing for us. <laughs> Isn't that cute? I've got the fucking Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, but, so now if you look back, Stein distributes Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, and... As you say, they, they're they AB and Bev, yeah. And 10 Barrel Pub Beer. Also, on the pregame show on the radio for the Boise State game, it used to always just be, this is the Boise State pregame show sponsored by... Some random company. Now it is. This is the Bud Light pregame show. <laughs> so I'm like, how big of a check did AB InBev cut to Boise State? Probably a depressingly small one, actually. That's but that I I suspect cut two hundred a while back yeah, for fair. the marching band, and you have three out of the six fucking options. I still feel like I'm guessing s- it's probably five hundred. Because that's also not counting every beer sold in Stuckle Sky Center. Mm. What's going to be sold at the basketball games mm. in Taco Bell Arena. And basically, they have control over picking. Because if I was AB InBev, I'd be like, yes, only have one local beer. Only do yellow beers because the craft options are 12-ounce cans. The three domestics... Or 16-ounce cans. So, all for $8. So, everyone's going to gravitate to the $8 16-ounce can where you're just trying to bury. Right. You have a you have the can, basically, to throw the, the, the... And the craft options that I saw at the game when I was there uh, was only at, like, a couple stands where everything else was in every stand right so you're like yeah let's just put this over here if someone comes up and buys it we lost a little everywhere else we're making it I was gonna say no that's just the cost of doing business yep. to keep the abc off your back so um what i would say if you've got a problem and want to see better craft options write a letter to the venues or call or email the venues and start harassing them because they're going to take the free money anytime they can. So let's make sure you have the options you want because if you don't do anything, you won't get it. And also make sure to just stuff a flask down your pants of uh, something good because fuck them, I'm going to drink my own booze anyway. <laughs> if they have metal eight, detectors, you're eight, fucked. Eight dollar twelve ounce, my fat ass. That's why they have plastic ones. <laughs> uh, but like uh, the I've Boise got... Hawks, uh, when they were a Colorado Rockies affiliate, could only carry Coors and products carried by the Coors distributor. I mean, that's unfortunately. Uh, there was a, a couple of concert halls that are more or less owned by Hayden. And, you know, you kind of look down the line, you're like, yep, uh, oh, there's the token one from uh, one of the other distributors to throw them off. Oh, the there's Coors Light. Yep. So uh, that way they don't have to answer that question. And uh, that way they're covered legally. Yep. So, so all I'd have to say is the laws are fucked and it's crooked. 
Jeremy, what do you got? Um, no, nothing any happier. Jesus, breakdancing Christ, can you people stop being racist assholes news now? Um, <laughs> I was doing some research into uh, America's uh, first craft beer and arts festival this morning, or the festival that's building itself as thus. Uh, first craft beer and arts festival? Or? First black uh, okay. craft beer and arts festival. Um, and it took exactly three seconds to find out that every time it looks like an industry might be evolving in a way that might be more inclusive, there's an overly racist asshole trying to put it right back where they found it. Um, so on September 11th, um, the Barrel and Flow Festival kicked off in Pittsburgh. And again, this was a festival featuring um, art and beer crafted by black artists and brewmasters. And it was next to, or at least nearby, a Hofbra House, um, which is obviously owned by the German brewery of the same name. Um, and, you know, this one's kind of the, the quintessential one in, in the United States. It's modeled after the historic one in Germany, um, which... I mean, it's a franchise, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is a franchise, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, so There's... anyone who wants to own a brewery slash bar could just be like, hey, how much do I have to pay to franchise this? This is my Chick-fil-A. Absolutely, yes. Um but according to the Barrel and Flow Facebook page, um, they reached out to the Hofbra House and the uh, general manager, uh, Vincent Quinzo, um, explaining what the event was going to be um, and, you know, when it was going to be and, you know, what was what was going to happen. They invited them to join in if they'd like. They declined, which fair enough. Um, but when the festival took place, apparently the music offended this old white, his old white ears because he basically lost his shit and according to the uh, and according to the allegations on the fa- on the Facebook page, was screaming at artists. Um, here's some uh, some here's some of the accounts posted there. Uh, quote: I witnessed him screaming at multiple artists uh, for the uh, gr- giant eagle stage as they were loading gear uh, in in the roundabout, screaming that he was going to call the police and tow their cars. Uh, a few attendees also let let me know. You have that- a special events permit, so no, you're not. Well. Uh, a few attendees also let me know that he was swearing and yelling racial slurs at artists throughout the day. Uh, another one, uh, multiple vendors, employees, and artists told me that Vincent would not let people of color into his restaurant to use the restroom or buy beer, while, but white attendees were allowed to go, and, to go in and out as they pleased. What the fuck? It's one of those, it's, I first, when I first heard that, I'm going, when he said, oh, we're barring people from the festival using our bathroom, I'm like, fair enough, I guess. Fair enough, yeah. But it was like... But the, if I'm trying to go in to buy a beer and support your business... My money's the same fucking color. It shouldn't matter what my skin color is. But yeah, the the fact that it's like, ooh, that's ooh, rough. Ooh, ooh, god, duh, ooh. Um, another quote. Uh, I received another call asking me to report to the GM GE stage again. As I ran down to the giant eagle, uh, giant eagle stage, Vincent was walking up the steps and yelled, "I'm fucking done. Everyone is complaining. These n words need to go." What the fuck? Any gesture to the artists that were playing. Um. In addition, the uh, the festival was plagued with uh, power issues throughout the day, and festival organizers noted that the breaker box was quote conveniently located at Hofbra House. Oh, so that motherfucker is gonna start shutting off the fucking breaker. Um, in the end, the festival had to be cut short. Um, some artists had their sets shortened or were unable to go at all. Although the um, the festival uh, noted that uh, all artists were paid. Uh, their original for their original price, thing. so which awesome for the festival for like holding up on that because 
I know some festivals would try to be like, hey. Um, and basically, they they the festival went down and they brought their brought this uh, to the attention of Hofbrauhaus. House, and Hofbrauhaus House um, responded exactly like you'd expect from a large company. Corporate, corporate, corporate. We'll look into it. Corporate, corporate, corporate. Sorry, we got bad apple. Corporate, corporate, corporate. Uh, you forgot the, we celebrate all facets of diversity, equality, and inclusion for our customers, staff, and overall operations. I thought I covered that with corporate, corporate, corporate. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's it's false statement of values, um, half-hearted apology, and we're looking into it. Corporate, corporate, corporate. Yep. Um uh, yeah, they are, their their statement was essentially that we, you know, we we're an inclusive company. We we are uh, we are gathering keep buying f- our beer, uh, listening and gathering feedback from all levels and perspective to uh, in order to ensure that customers, guests, and our neighbors and members of the community feel safe and welcome at Hofbrauhaus House Pittsburgh at all times. <clears throat> um, it should be noted that as of this recording, however, uh, the latest news is that the the GM in question has been suspended. Not fired, suspended. You know, why don't you go home, go home for a couple of days and think about what you did, Vincent. Also, it's, it's better than nothing, but it's not much better. Also, Hofbra House and a guy with an Italian last name were basically dealing with the Axis power. So, another great look, guys. Perfect. <laughs> Just gotta throw that out there. Um, and a stage with an eagle. Yeah. Well, that was a that was at the, I know, the festival. But. I know. <laughs> um. But um, that may be why he tried to walk up on it. Hofbra House has also lawyered the fuck up as part of its quote ongoing commitment to investigate allegations and acts, actions tied to the recent Barrel and Flow Fest, and that's unfortunately where we got to leave the story for now. But uh, we will be following up. I actually have been talking to someone who did attend the festival. Um, it's actually how I found out about it in the first place. I, we, I was kind of scrolling through social media. Of, oh, there's a there's this festival out there that's you know just. That is uh, throwing a spotlight on black art, black uh, uh, black owned breweries. That's kind of cool. And yeah, reached out I to think some, it's awesome. And found a found a guy who was actually bringing his beer there for the first. You know, he's uh, thinking about opening a brewery, and has brought his beer down there. Oh. Um, and so we may so we'll be following up and hopefully find out more about this. Dude. And it was such a Stay good <laughs> idea for a festival. It, it's something to kind of empower black artists, black brewers, especially in the... We've talked at length how this industry is a lot of beardy white dudes. Yep. Um, and so anything we can do to kind of expand that is amazing. And then you have this one fucking imbecile... Who has to ruin a great time for so many people? That's isn't that the way of things, so. though. <laughs> like I said, we'll be following up, and so I guess uh, stay tuned. Uh, Tyler, do you have something happier? Uh, yes. Uh, I don't know if it's super happy, but it's not upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take not upsetting. It's just something that doesn't. Not upsetting for two hundred. Alex, uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Alex Trebek. Uh, well, let's take a quick break. Actually, let's take a quick break here because we cracked a new beer, as you may have heard. We're on to the Boneyard uh, RPM. Just one of the OG beers it's, from oh. Boneyard. Um, you know, a little more maltiness coming through. 
but still that which is, very like quintessential West Coast IPA. Which is funny because I um I uh when I was reading up a lot of IP on a lot of IPAs, I read a couple of interviews with the with their head brewer, where he kind of described I guess his philosophy of IPA, if you would if you want to okay. call it that. Um, and you know, very very briefly, it's basically you know simple malt backbone cut uh, to be very dry with dextrose and t- and shit tons of hops to let them you know let them uh, shine. This is the opposite of that. Um, it's very good, but it's got some caramel malt. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a, 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 a West Coast IPA, although really balanced bitterness. Yep. But I think that Citrusy sweetness notes. from the caramel malt helps balance out a little bit of that. Absolutely, yeah. But you just don't... I mean, the thing is that I, I'm always interested when I open an IPA these days and it's got a little bit of color to it mm-hmm. because I, as far as in... As far as like in your uh, your your IPAs these days, caramel malt is all but verboten. There's a handful of kind of those legacy Exa- IPAs. I mean, this being a yeah, this being a good example, but this uh, Surly's uh, Buck, what is it? It was just in town recently. Surly's Furious. Oh yeah, that one. Uh, locally, you got Dagger Falls, uh, Payette's. Uh, what was it? The Wrestler. Wrestler. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was well out. It was outlaw well, then at Rustler. You'll find so. a lot of them in Idaho because, much like Nebraska, uh, Idaho is five years behind the rest of the country. So, yeah, but those have all been kind of around for a long time. Yeah, no, I'm, I was gonna say. I mean, Sockeyes, it's been around for a long time. Payette, that was one of their originals. So, it's just more of an opportunity to diss my home state yeah, than any enough. real statement of value. But, um, oh, I will not disregard that. A lot of people's flavors in idaho is still five years behind and i'll never forget someone except like three years three four years ago was like great notion opening a brewery here in boise they they'd destroy everyone i was like no they wouldn't they'd go belly up in under a year what they make such great beer yes they do but the taste for boise is not to that spot yet although uh, and the population in Portland compared to Boise? Oh, yeah. There's not going to be enough walk-up traffic for them. Right. They're going to struggle. Well, uh, uh, no. It, <laughs> I, I think they make great beer. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm kind of over a great notion, if I'm being completely honest. But, because they're uh, Mostly because everything is a blueberry muffin pancake monstrosity. But I'm starting to notice more and more like of the hype breweries... I don't think we make anything that pass for beer. <laughs> I'm starting to notice that as well. It's all just heavily adjunct or fruited beer, flavored or just flavored, just yeah. straight up flavored. Um, but um, but on the but on on the like on the idea that we really don't there's there's a disconnect between where craft beer is going and where where people's heads are in this state. I actually uh, got up to McCall, a uh, little little a uh, uh, little. Mountain resort, town. little resort town in the middle of the state, um, and to the almost uh, the exact middle. Um, and at McCall Brewing Company, I had one of their beers here on the podcast at one point in time. It was a, it was the Hazy Jones or Hazy IPA. Okay, I and I that. poured it into a glass, and it was amber in color. I'm going. I feel like they poured me the wrong one. Well, I remembered that when I went up to went up to the brewery, 
and they had it on draft. I'm like, I, I wonder. And I so I ordered it. And what, it was still amber. what they brought me was an amber was an amber ale. So hazy. So hazy Jones is not a hazy. It's not even really an IPA. It's just a low IPA. Well, we didn't filter it. I mean, it's quite good. Oh, that was my biggest piss off when there there was the trend. This is an unfiltered IPA. I was like, anyone can fucking say that on any beer as long as they don't fucking filter it. You goddamn imbeciles. Besides, how many people filter their IPAs? Yeah. I mean, what three people? Maybe. Just so. the, anyway, that went off on a on a tangent. Woo! Uh, uh, Tyler, uh, what do you got? Back first? to barrels. Oh, uh, right. barrels. So this is an article on craft brewing business from Rachel Moore. Uh, where she kind of takes a deep dive into different barrels that you can use to age beer in and kind of what flavors you impart. So most people know use bourbon barrels. It's the most common one uh, because bourbon can only be used one time. It has to go into a fresh oak barrel and then can never be used for bourbon again. So there was a plethora of them. Perhaps even a preponderance. And then it dropped down. And there's still a good amount of them available, but more and more breweries. I don't know a brewery that doesn't do a bourbon barrel aged beer. I mean, now the cost has gone up, but they're still pretty cheap because they're yeah. basically garbage to yeah. them. I was going to say, before breweries started hopping on, they had to sell it to you know, Canadian or Irish distilleries that I, were using to make Canadian whiskey or Irish whiskey. I learned that a lot of scotch is aged in old bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. So, um, but with this here, it employs a distinct blend of oak wood and a level of charring. Um, with this, you'll sometimes get a nice little vanilla, uh, some coconut, dill, sweet spices. Dill? Uh, that dill? one caught me off guard, but I don't know what they're doing on that one. Okay. But, I mean, I, that was, that, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, Sorry. My bad. It was pairs well with coconut, dill, and sweet spices. Oh, okay. I'm still... I mean, I've done a pickleback with a shot of whiskey. A pickle, a pickleback with a bourbon barrel aged beer. Maybe. I, well, also, I don't... Pickles are, are, are cucumber soaked in evil. They're not right, and so I don't approve of them as a general rule. Oh, um. So the next one she talks about is rum barrels, which little little more rare to see. I know Odell nationally did their Jolly Pirate. I know a couple local breweries have done some different stuff. Um, and she said the flavor it imparted was very complex, perfectly beerish. Uh, she believes that the rum isn't as harsh of a booziness factor compared to the whiskey barrel, which I think I would agree. Get a little more sweetness out of the rum barrel than you would out of a bourbon barrel. Well, it um, also depends on. I mean, it depends on the bourbon barrel because that 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 can really run the gamut. But yeah, but I see, but I see what she's saying that you that your your rum barrel aged for me usually is a softer, a softer booze. Right. Yeah, and she said it made subtle flavor con- contributes like coconut, oak, and dark chocolate. Okay. Uh, wine barrels. Which most frequently I feel like we've seen used in sours. Um, sours and saisons or farmhouse beers yeah. is about the only time. I, I've have... had a couple like big imperial stouts in like a big bold red wine barrel. 
They're rare, but yeah. You still get a little bit of tartness coming off, but... Um, and I'm really surprised it hasn't been more widely adapted. Yeah, well... But the the flavor of wine, though, just in general, is so much more subtle than it is in beer. And I mean, with the exception of like your farmhouse, your sours, um, I just don't think you're gonna pick up a lot of uh, pick up a lot of flavor that's gonna really enhance your enhance the or augment your flavor. I don't think. Yeah, and she did bring up a point in there. Uh, a lot of the bourbon barrels will not actually. Uh, have a lot of bacteria in it because the alcohol of the bourbon or the rum or whatever spirit you use in it where wine that it's not quite a high enough alcohol in it so you're gonna get kind of that and she talks about your wine barrel aged beer ended up tasting along the lines of acidic saison or wild ale and also well you also possibly have malolactic fermentation which Mm -hmm. i found out fairly recently is it often contributes diacetyl which is the flavor of chardonnay which is why it's a shit wine yeah that's why a lot of there's like two lines of chardonnay where some are aged in stainless steel and so you don't get oaked and butter. Yeah. Well, and that's that was always confused me because it was always described Chardonnay was always described as oaky and I'm like, why does oak never why does oak always present as butter only in Chardonnay? And I don't know what I was actually looking up something for a customer and I stumbled across that. I'm going, "Well, that makes complete perfect fucking sense. Why did it take me this long to learn this?" So she then talked about port wine barrels. I've seen a lot of those. Uh, which I haven't encountered really any. Um, um, Revision just did one. Okay. Uh, she said... No. It, oh, is it Revision or, or Deschutes is also... They've, okay. Uh, they've done, I think I've seen a Deschutes They've done one. Port Barrel Age yeah. Abyss. Uh, it's, she said, its appearance ultimately betrayed the fruity flavor contributions hid within, uh, bringing out a new side to her Imperial Stout beer choice. The resulting craft beer tastes like chocolate-covered cherries and imparted characteristics that can only be described as aromatic smooth and rich uh next th- she moved to sherry cask so i've seen those yeah which i again revision deschutes I, i'm sure i've seen the deschutes abyss but they're i mean but, but you're, you're 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 getting into more obscure uh and with this here uh it has that higher alcohol content similar to a whiskey a rum a tequila uh but she said led to the most uniquely exotic and overly vinous craft beer she's tasted to date. That's uh, fair. It was also the biggest barrel she had, so it had the lowest surface area in contact with the beverage, uh, meaning she had to leave it in there longer. But Although also possibly one of the worst barrel beers I've had, because it was Evil Twin, they aged um, their even more Jesus um, mm-hmm. in a port wine barrel, and they called it even more Jesus, but in Portuguese, which I forgot what that is. But, uh, I um, think I remember seeing that. But it was fucking awful. She said it led uh, to a flavor note of grape skins, robust earthiness, and a strong oakiness. That which, probably was why it was offensive. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, if you can find the right beer to pair up with that that would be awesome i was a little so the author works for rocky mountain barrel company so she's a marketing manager for a barrel brokerage i was really hoping she was actually going to dive into tequila barrel aging 
which I'm starting to see become a bigger and bigger thing. And I've had a couple, and it lends a real unique, interesting flavor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it and it runs the gamut. It can either be, I mean, they're used a lot in, like, cocktail-inspired, like, mm -hmm. imperial. Where you'd use a tequila in there. But if you get, like, an, I mean, because you're going to have an Anejo or a Resposado tequila because your silver tequilas aren't going to fucking touch a barrel. Right. And then you've got a couple of cute gin barrel, which gin barrel's not a thing. I no. feel like that means you've just taken a barrel, you filled it with gin okay. for a little while for the sheer purpose of then putting beer in. Yep. But I have to say Lumberbeard's gin barrel aged batch one IPA um, was so good I was mad at it. <laughs> which the gin notes can really complement an IPA, I feel. It was so goddamn uh, good. And tequila can sometimes give off that like whiskey barrel vibe. But really kind of lend a different aspect to it. But it's more its more subtle. I feel yeah. like it's a lot more subtle. Yeah. But it's not as sweet as like a rum barrel would be in my mind. That's fair. So it's that middle, that middle brother of the rum barrel and the whiskey barrel. Uh, Jeremy, what do you got next? Let's finish this off. Um, uh, either the smartest or the dumbest idea in the world news now is... Uh, 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 article comes from Food and Wine by Mark uh, Mike Pomerantz. Um, Paps Blue Ribbon, and I'm actually it's, it, it feels weird that I'm the one. I was gonna uh, say doing... normally I'm the one bringing up ad campaigns by domestic beers. Um, in fact, the funny thing was is I saw this I, it, I, I saw this article. I was charmed uh, the fuck out of it, but I'm like oh, Tyler's surely gonna cover this, so I I. I I put some thoughts down, um, but it wasn't on his dock, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to have to actually talk about this. <laughs> I saw it last night, but it was like, I want to talk about the ones I have, so I'm going to pass. Uh, well, that's okay. I've, I, I, your ass, consider it covered. Paps Blue Ribbon is launching a new ad campaign that is going to pay you, pay you, to deck out your house in PBR swag. And it works like this. Light it up, motherfucker! If you go to pbrinhomeadvertising.org and select items for your house... Like some, you know, mad hipster. Wait, can you say that uh, it's web address one more time? PBRinhomeadvertising.org. Mm. Um, you can select, basically it's like, it's a hipster alcoholic wedding registry. All right. These items include, and they are real, a PBR rug, you know, to tie the room together. Whoa! A PBR fish tank billboard. PBR ceiling decal for your bedroom, just in case your latest Tinder date didn't already figure out you were an insufferable douche. Oh, dude, my wife's going to kill me. A PBR oven decal. What did you find? Oh, just all of this. I'm going to just fucking... PBR banana stickers. <laughs> uh, there's a toothbrush, a shower curtain, uh, an oven door cling, tablecloth. Oh, she'd definitely kill me. PBR toilet lid, and my favorite, PBR toilet paper... Props to this, there ain't a lot of companies secure enough in their brand to literally encourage their customers to wipe their ass with their logo. Uh, the duvet cover and the ceiling decal have to be my favorite. Uh, and I want this duvet cover because I will get a divorce. 
Well, it's okay because you can't have it because um, I, I, I should have – I spoke in the present tense. That was wrong. Um, all these are in the past tense because they are already gone. Yeah, I see that. Sold out on everything. They they have been snatched up and are currently in the houses of people who are no doubt posing for a shower beer Instagram pic behind their brand new PBR shower Drinking curtain. Drinking a PBR. Um, and that's the point. Um, if you were on top of this enough to get your own free PBR swag for your house, then the next part is – that you have, you get paid to run ads inside the comfort of your home, um, which is oh, you can still get the Wi-Fi network, uh, the desktop background, and the phone icon. Well, because they don't run. I mean, because there's because they they don't run out. There's no there's nothing physical they have to send you. So yeah, you can still do that. <laughs> You're gonna do that, aren't you? No. Oh come on. I wanted the duvet cover. <laughs> but I mean. Or the ceiling decal, but I have a ceiling fan above my bed, so I have to cut a hole in it. Uh, for me, I'm like sitting there going, this actually is fucking brilliant. This is almost as good as the fucking Lagunitas can shopping network. Well, I mean, even better because, I mean, you're, uh, I mean, that was. They don't got a floofy, like a fucking floppy man, man. <laughs> but you had to buy that. You know, I mean, that was. You know, that was, uh, you know, that, that was, uh, uh, you know, they, they had a bunch of, sh- you know, Lagunita swag that you could buy, but you had to go buy it. And they had some weird ass shit that I'm, I have no doubt people Someone bought. bought. Someone has like that giant IPA floppy car In thing. his front yard, just flipping off his neighbor who's, <laughs> who doesn't drink and, or is like a wine snob and he lives in a nice neighborhood and he checked his HOA rules and he's like, doesn't say anything in the but, HOA bylaws about a fucking... Giant floppy can suck my ass. But you're, but I mean, your point is well. But you, you hit upon something that makes it kind of brilliant is because typically the, this works the other direction. Um, because if you look behind you, and and, you've, and anybody who's keeps the track of our social media um, will know that I've got a Lagunitas flag that I actually didn't pay for. I got that one for free. But I mean, the point is usually that you either have to buy or you get from someone you know. Yeah, you have to you have to buy this stuff. And you're advertising uh, this that company for free. Um, this turns it around completely. It really changes the term influencer. Um, but it's but it also it strikes me very much in tune with how we consume ads these days. And it's interesting to watch this evolution. Sign up to be advertised to. Yeah, uh, it's 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 interesting to to watch how PBR as a brand has gone in a relatively short amount of time from this uh, almost kind of obscure, but I mean, it was, it was a dying brand. It was a, yeah, it was dying. It was on, it was on the road to Schlitz. Yeah. Um, but it got, and then hipsters, it it got, it got, yeah, picked up by, by people who drank it ironically, but it's amazing how much they've embraced that, uh, that vision, not only in... Well, one of the top nationwide PBR accounts is Mulligans in downtown Boise. Yeah. They are top five national PBR accounts. Mind-boggling to think, still with how small Boise is... That they consume that much PBR at that little... I mean, it's a high-traffic bar, but... Yeah, but still, we're not a high metro area. But then again, I mean, how much... We're the 78th largest metro market in america oh we're up from 121 last night yeah. well that was media market so i don't but i i think similar but 
Um, when I was when I was working in news, we were 121. I remember that. But anyway, um, we've had a lot of people move since then. But anyway, they are paying um, 10 to 50 dollars per ad that you run, so to speak. Um, you know, and it's a little vague on what that means. Um, but I, it kind of sounds like, listen, put your shit in your house, take pictures with it, you know, and put it up places. Instagram it and Instagram the fuck out of it. Um, but I'm like, I had to do like to do some mental. Well, I did do some mental. I did some calculator calculations because I suck at math. But I did some calculations. Um, um, if you think about a national television ad, right? Um, it's called a Super Bowl ad. I just not even a Super Bowl ad, just like a national television ad run. At, you know, during normal time of the year. Well, I'm curious. While you're looking up, I'm going to see how much a typical Super Bowl ad costs. Or, a Super Bowl ad? Uh, I mean, I looked up what a what an ad campaign, a national ad campaign on television would cost. And a million dollars is not out of the question. Um, to, to, get a, to get a regular running, to produce, by the way, because, you know, you, there's... You know, Tyler's eyes just went wide because he just saw the cost for a Super Bowl ad. Uh, for 30 seconds during the Super Bowl, as of last year, $5.5 million for 30 seconds. And you realize that's just for the time slot. That doesn't include... The cost to make the commercial. Which, also, you want to splurge on because... That's that's someone like Jeremy going, play. <laughs> Stop. Right, yeah. I If I got paid $5.5 for going for 30 seconds, my wife would be a lot happier. <laughs> Um, so I was just talking about, I mean, if you, but if I was thinking about it, even if they paid every person the maximum that they said they were going to $50, that's still 20,000 pictures out there. And I assume they can kind of pick and choose cause they were, they were like, they didn't say they, they, they said, it's oh, probably well, so some right. Pre- if it's a shitty picture or it showcases nudity, violence, whatever. Obviously, or even if it's just not that good. I mean, it's yeah. like, eh, that out of focus, whatever. She's hotter, you know? Yeah. Let's face it. Um, but 20,000 pictures out floating around versus a well, television. Let's say there's 20,000 accepted pictures and 10,000 non-accepted pictures. There's 30,000 pictures floating around. And let's say it's seen by six people each. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, that's a, I start doing the mental calculations and you're sitting there going, and especially you know people our age i don't know about you but i've i don't watch television commercials i i the, everyone when a commercial comes on drops to their fucking phone i don't see i stream everything now so i don't but i don't it, bother at all like full stop I've, I've watched some marketing conferences where they've talked about that's the hard part with like sports because even if you stream sports you still get commercials and i mean i don't give a flying fuck about sports so i don't run into that trouble yeah and so <laughs> but they're like so how do you capture is it better to instead of buying a tv ad run a ad on social or something where your target ah, audience is because they're on during the-, the time of that game targeted at those fans because every commercial break they're going to look at their phone and they're going to see you and it's a tenth of the cost and pretty much what they've done i mean without i mean without the targeting so to speak but but i mean yeah it's floating all over social media um and by the way the the shit they put out is just plain spectacular <laughs> so <laughs> uh, i got I, they, there's a nice there's a, nice, a few nice pictures and like, they, i ex- i expected this from like natty light like 
PBR, good on you. You gained a lot of respect on this one. Um, there's a there's a really, uh, I guess, nice picture of a living room, a, a a model home living room for depressed PBR. Alcohol. Yeah, uh, that I'll that will probably become our, uh, our become the podcast episode picture episode picture because everything else we have is fucking depressing. Um, Except for the barrel, I, I, but it used to be a picture of both. So this will probably be this is the best picture of the episode. So it'll probably be that. But uh, but you, you kind of get the idea. That it's 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 a great campaign. Dude, and I'm really disappointed I couldn't get anything. I, I mean that's the problem. Even even being a, a, a followers of beer, uh, beer media, by the time I found out, it was long since gone. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, sorry. Do you have anything else? No, I, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. You have something? Uh, I just want to say, every couple of years you're gonna see this fucking article talk about because the media is fucking lazy. Talk about the Sam Adams beer that's coming out that's <laughs> illegal in 15 or whatever many states. It's been out since the dawn of fucking Sam Adams. Basically, it's not a new thing. Get the fuck over it. It's called Utopias. Whoop de. Freaking do, Basil! And it's always been illegal in the exact same, same states. Fif- 15 states you're thinking of. Although I'd also like to point out, it's not technically illegal in Idaho. It's you, illegal to purchase. You can't, Well, no, you can't. You couldn't sell it through a grocery store. You'd have to sell it through the liquor stores. They would have to buy it because it's over 15%. Mm-hmm. So, they, so you could buy it in Idaho, just not through what you would consider a normal beer channel. Yeah. And so it's... It's there's usually one bottle makes it to Idaho every year, and that's for the he, the owner of the distributor they distribute through. Right, and they don't want to fuck with the the uh, regulations of dealing with the state. I mean, although I understand that the that um, when it comes to distillers, they actually like having a state con- a, mm-hmm. a state control because there's one person that buys it, and it's the government, so they have to be nice. Or at least they have to give they 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 kind of force to give you a fair price. You swindle them, it's easier. Yeah, you know, but yeah, essentially. But uh, anyway, so it's not technically; it's just not going to be purchased by the Idaho uh, by Idaho Liquor Commission so. or what it's called. Um, and but yeah, stop falling for this every couple because I feel like every year, every other year, I see people being like, "Whoa, I never heard of this new beer," and I'm like, "Oh my god, shut the fuck up." Also, it's even not even. It used to be the 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 most alcoholic beer. Now it's not even in the top five. No, it's twenty eight percent. It's twenty eight percent, which is adorable now because the top one something sixty sixty five. If I remember last last I looked into this, I forget the name of the beer, but it was sixty five. Which at that point in time, you're going motherfucker. This is more potent than whiskey. Stop. <laughs> I think it because I know it was Brewdog and another brewery that went back and forth for a little while, and then another. And one, then I yeah oh. I know they did a collaboration at one point to take first. Yeah. And then did another come in or... Someone... And then, uh, yeah, a, a third contender entered the ring and blew them all away. So... It's like IBUs. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but this will this, this will fucking put you down. And <laughs> but... I don't know. Do you feel better? Do you, do you, did you did, get, yeah, get, get yeah, out of your system? No, no, it, has, it has been a long time since you got on your little soapbox and yelled about something. So yeah. it was, I'm, I'm happy to see that. First time this season. You look better. You look, it only took three episodes? You kind of... You kind of... Well, this is the second episode, but... Oh, I thought this was third. <laughs> you kind of you came in looking a bit constipated, and now you look like a new man. So I'm glad you... 
got that out of your system, I'm gonna grab a mop. But anyway, um, so <laughs> um, <Not> brown floors <laughs> now. <laughs> anyway, this has been it's all beer. Uh, if you want to follow us on the social media, um, I definitely recommend that. Uh, because I post weird pictures, uh, some articles that actually don't make it to the podcast sometimes, because uh, we just don't have time. Right. Either that, or it's it's one of those, a lot of times I'll post something that is interesting in and of itself, but there's just not a lot of meat to it. Um, so, uh, you can find us on Facebook, It's All Beer, um, on Instagram, at It's All Beer, on Twitter, at It's All Beer 1. If you know who has It's All Beer, let us know. <laughs> Because, you know, Tyler will go to his house with a baseball bat. I'll shit on his front door if he doesn't get it. <laughs> and, and, and I said on the front door, not doorstep. <laughs> and, of course, if you'd like to, uh, if, if you have a uh, something you'd like us to talk about or would like to talk to us directly, uh, it's all here at gmail.com. It would be nice to get an email. Besides, uh, someone has accessed your Twitter account. Yeah, me, me. I access my own fucking Twitter account. Calm the fuck down, Twitter. Also, give me all, it's all beer. I have a podcast, and internet rules clearly stipulate that if you have a podcast, you get the claim of that beer. It's actually rule number 31, not 34. We all know what 34 is. It's gross. 31, lesser known, but the rule still applies. So give us the fucking name, and I think that'll be all for us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer. Have fun. Have fun.